0: Hi, welcome to this week's episode of Slice. I'm Dori Farina. This is the podcast about getting real with real people on real topics that will hopefully inspire you to be your most authentic self. Today what's on my mind is the unspoken coping mechanism of spirituality. I know you might be thinking, what? Spirituality? That's a coping mechanism? Or... Most people are going to connect spirituality with religion and assume that I'm talking about religion as a coping mechanism, and it can be. So first what I want to talk about is how, for most of you out there, maybe you don't know what a coping mechanism is. A coping mechanism is something that we develop in ourselves for as a child um, throughout our life, we develop it to deal with something that we actually don't know how to deal with, that helps get us by. That helps get us by and manage our emotions, our feelings, and our thoughts. The ones that most people talk about are the ones that you hear out there all the time as a coping mechanism. The, the big words are drinking, drugs, addiction, work, sex, gaming, exercise, eating. Those are the big, big ones, okay? Okay. Then there's other ones that are a lot you know a lot smaller, a lot less talked about. But today what's on my mind is the idea of spirituality as a coping mechanism. And what I mean by that is anything that you use to avoid the emotions that you're feeling inside yourself or some reality inside yourself that you're not willing or able to admit to yourself or you can't handle the emotions of it or you just don't like it so you escape into something else in this particular one coping mechanisms are super super important in our lives we could not get through our lives without them It's not a buzzword to go, oh, shit, I don't, you know, I've got this coping mechanism and it's horrible and it's ruining my life and I got to change it. It's that you created this way of coping in the world because you had no other choice at the time. When you create this, for instance, like as a child, and let's say the first thing is You have big emotions as a child, as a three-year-old or a four-year-old, and you don't get your way, so you throw a tantrum. And then your coping mechanism is throwing a tantrum. And maybe that gets your mom and dad to give you what you want. But the second that you don't get what you want from throwing that tantrum, you go to another coping mechanism. So when that coping mechanism doesn't work for you anymore, you find another one. I often call them, when I work with people, maladaptive coping mechanisms that we develop over our lifetime and that the only reason that anybody even knows sometimes that they have a coping mechanism or there's a problem with one is that because it stops working. And when the coping mechanism stops working, that's usually when the chaos starts and people come into therapy or people seek help because as long as it's working, nobody gets help to change it. If I go back to the tantrum, you know, a long life in that example, you will learn that a tantrum doesn't get you what you want, hopefully. And then you'll move on to the next thing. But what if your emotions can't be managed? What if you don't learn another way? And the only thing that you can do is go to something else. And that's why I call it maladaptive because you're going to go to what your own resources are. You're starting these processes when you're very young. If you're beginning at three with a tantrum, and then it goes on to something else at four and five, and then 13, 15, 16, and so on, you you can only pull from the resources that you have. And that's why often people dive into work, or they dive into addiction, or they dive into exercising, Not all coping mechanisms are bad. And of course, everything in moderation is good. So if you get super stressed out and your way to manage that stress is to go to the gym and work out, you work out one time and that helps you, then that's a healthy coping mechanism. There's nothing to change about that. But if you find yourself in the gym twice a day or three hours a day, seven days a week, then there's a problem, then <laughs> it's something that needs to be managed or adjusted. So it's no different with you know any other kind of healthy lifestyle. So meditation is healthy for you as well. Taking a walk is healthy. Hiking is healthy. Being with your friends is healthy. It's even fine to have a drink to take the edge off. But when it becomes excessive is when it becomes it crosses over from a healthy mechanism to a non-healthy coping mechanism. That's why I really want to talk about spirituality as a coping mechanism today because I feel like if somebody has dove into the world of spirituality and they choose that path for themselves and no matter how much time they spend in it or what they do, it's very hard to place a judgment on it, and it's very hard to be able to say, like, wow, you're just too spiritual. You're just, like, way too spiritual, and that is not a good thing. No one's going to say that to you. It's going to be very, very difficult. One of the things that happens in going into this spiritual... I'm just going to call it spiritual addiction. I don't even know if there is anything such a thing, but I'm going to name it spiritual addiction in this moment... But if you go into a spiritual addiction, then one of the things that often gets bypassed, and, and I, when I say a spiritual addiction, I'm talking about when you use spiritual ideas, spiritual beliefs, spiritual methods, or religious methods, I don't associate spirituality with religion, But if we put them together, because I know that's what will come up for a lot of people. But if you use all those ideas as a way to escape your emotions and the things that are happening within you, inside of you, that you're not willing to deal with, then it's not healthy. Because it just becomes another way for your real life to be deflected and it gets deflected into this pocket of spirituality. When I've met people who are in this place, you can talk to them about something, and you could ask them about how they feel or what's going on, and they'll often tell you, at least in my experience, you know, it's good, and the Dalai Lama always says is blah, 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 whatever. What it says in the Bible is X, Y, Z, and so I follow that, and they can have all this stuff that they could spout out, But it's not integrated into their body, into their soul, into their emotional psyche. It's just information. And it's really good information. All the spiritual stuff is really good. All the religious messages, all those things are usually really great. But they're really good and beneficial and positive when they get completely integrated into you. And when they're not they really become another way to avoid yourself. So there are people that specialize in this work that are incredible and really understand the way that this process works and are able to see it. Because I think from the common eye, and even for a skilled clinician that doesn't know a lot about it, it's very. I think it would be very hard to assess when somebody might be in this what I'm calling like a spiritual addiction or a spiritual avoidance of some kind. And because it could, the person will appear just so positive and have all this stuff. But what what happens on a deeper level that it's really hard to access their authenticity and it's really hard to access who they really are and what's really going on with them because there's this other story built up. I thought I'd bring on somebody who knows a lot about this, who it's one of her specialties, and she and I thought it would be great to have this conversation with her because, one, she could clear up some of my own questions about it and also give us some information on what it might really look like. I thought it would be great because she could give us more information on it. So I would like to introduce Misha Joy McAmirer. And she is on with us. Hello, Misha. How are you? Hi, Dory. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being here today to talk to us about this. I hope that I didn't butcher the idea of spiritual <laughs> I know you have a i you know I know you have this, this you know you have a lot of knowledge about it, and let's talk about it
1: yeah I thought you had a, a lot of good points and a lot of different points and there's I think what you were speaking to is what's actually um, most important, which is it's hard to approach. It's not the easiest one to approach. There's certain things that people use, let's say um, unhealthy coping mechanisms that people are um, really familiar with, and you named a few of them. Like people are very familiar of eating too much or under eating or exercising too much or under under exercising and and kind of being lethargic those really common coping mechanisms that can be used in a negative way are are pretty known you know dory i think um, what you're speaking to is actually the bigger bigger question is that there's so many different ways to approach this and there's healthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy coping mechanisms, and um, what you said also was that there's a way that um, a, a coping mechanism can actually begin, you know, begin as a healthy way of moving through something and then become unhealthy. It all it's it's all relative to where you are in your life and what's happening. Right. And I think that's why spirituality is a, is a bit of a, a difficult one to approach. But um, you mentioned some of the key the key pieces that I think are relevant. Most people, regardless of spirituality, consider part of spirituality, no matter whether it's religion or Buddhism or any other practice, that being in your heart and being in the now are very important parts. Of being a human being you know we really want to find a way where we can be most in our hearts most true to ourselves kind to other people you know there's all these basic premises but people really want to be in their heart and they want to find a way to have an authentic communication with somebody and everybody has their own paradigm about how to do that and what that looks like I would say that the way you talked about it being in the present I don't separate emotions from spirituality. So I'll I'll start with that. As a transpersonal therapist, I don't separate the two. When somebody is having an emotional experience in their life, that is the most spiritual thing that could happen because our emotions are the way our heart talks to us about what's going on in our lives. It's the conversation that we're actually having with ourselves about, The good things that are happening, the difficult things that are happening, the love of our life, our heart opens, the loss of our life, our heart struggles and aches. And so our emotional experience of the now is the most spiritual practice to be here with who we are. And then there's, of course, something bigger than ourselves that we're trusting that is also always happening. And people have a lot of names for that consciousness, God, Allah, the divine, divine being, then there's that. And, and many people believe that that is what we're all in service to. There's kind of who we are. And then there's this bigger kind of spirit that we're in service to. And I would say that everybody, not everybody, but a good amount of people have an intimate relationship to that in themselves and so when you look at um, how can in in terms of this particular topic and what you're saying because this is a very big there's so much I could say about this so I'm going to just kind of narrow it into what you specifically are talking about is how it's used as a as a coping mechanism and um, you called it a spiritual addiction um, um, a lot of people call it a spiritual bypass and a spiritual bypass is when you use any element of spirituality that is true. It's true in your world. And that's the most important to not
0: experience what's happening in reality. And in the now, would you repeat the uh, definition of spiritual bypass or what I was calling like a spiritual addiction?
1: Mm hmm ok, I'll say that the reason why I think your in your intuition or your sense was really good about addiction because addiction is when we use something to an extreme to avoid reality and our emotions. That's what happens in addiction. Right. and And the base of d- addiction is different for everybody. Right. Um but the quality of it is it helps us get through something. It's soothing, but it also helps us get away from an experience inside ourselves. That's kind of the addictive quality, but none of those things in and of themselves are necessarily bad. Spiritual bypassing is the term used in transpersonal psychology to identify spiritual premises, spiritual beliefs that are used to they call it bypass to not have to feel or to avoid a difficult emotion or experience that exists in reality and when i say reality i mean the present moment exactly i mean right now right and even though you can use a spiritual premise to to avoid a feeling that's coming up about the past. Mm-hmm. The most amazing thing about being human is the now will keep showing you what you haven't digested in the past. So either way, when you're in the moment, the emotion that needs to be felt will come up. But if you bypass it, like it's all good. Um, everything's I just fine. Have, everything's fine. I I'm trusting the universe. Beautiful premises. True premises to not feel that something yes, you can trust the universe, but something painful just happened. and, and it's yes. important that you feel that pain.
0: Agreed. I love that you're saying that because you right. You have to feel the pain, and you have to feel the emotion that's associated with that. And the other thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening to you say this, is there's another piece that happens with this idea. When people trust spirituality, and I'm a big spiritual, I'm super spiritual, everybody, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not against spirituality at all. It's the essence of who I am. But when we're talking about it in this excessive or I'm going to use my terminology as a maladaptive way or an addictive way, the other thing that seems to happen, it stops people from taking action. And it stops people from being proactive. What I mean by that is like kind of what you say. It's like if I go, you know what? I need money. I can't pay the rent. I've got to take care of myself. I can't pay my bills. But I know that the universe is going to take care of it. Or I know that God's got my back and God's going to take care of it. Or I know that this is going to happen. And that's awesome. And you should definitely hold that energy. And I'm a super big fan of it. And you'll even hear me talk about it. However, if you don't take real action, like real physical action on that by real setting goals and setting intentions and looking for a job and taking whatever you can get to also help make that happen, then I also find that that's where it becomes an unhealthy coping mechanism because yes, it could help you feel better because you could believe that something out there bigger than you is going to help you get that. But the other reality is that people have to be active in their healing and they have to be active in their life and take the actions needed in order to co-create with the universe or co-create with God or co-create in their life with whatever they believe in, in order to have what they want, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yes, exactly. I think that's a topic that comes up a lot in this domain because everything you just said about how somebody is holding that in their heart is really good. You do want to trust if your paradigm is God, that God is going to provide. If your paradigm is the divine being, then the divine being is in alignment with you. All of that is a very important part of being spiritual we're using spirituality Mm -hmm. to just cover all religions and all practices because we don't want to get too specific
0: and we're trying to be broad so we could address everybody out there's ideas you know right
1: but the the thing that's what happens is what you're talking about is this is this is a complex topic so give me a second to just try and name there's two pieces i think two pieces to it one of them is that people have an idea that God or spirit only exists in positive things Right. and in positive experiences hmm. and in things that feel like love. What they forget is that God or divine spirit exists in everything. God loves oh, all love emotions. Love God that. doesn't not exist in difficult situations. In fact, sometimes those difficult situations are there to teach you what you need so you can feel closer to God or divine spirit. Agreed. So what happens in that particular bypass, I would say a misunderstanding of where God exists. And if we say, so that can be a, a kind of part of the issue how they interpret it, that it only lives in the good experiences and the positive experiences, right? So one part of that is the kind of innocence, and I'm going to call it innocence because I think people don't choose to see it that way um, consciously. I think it's an unconscious way that a very young part of someone interprets God as a parent, as a as a as what they didn't get from their parent, and in some ways we can get that need met from spirit, a kind of parenting that we didn't get met in our childhood. but in other ways, it's really up to us inside ourselves as a human being, to reparent our small parts that didn't get the parenting they needed. It's up to us to get the needs met inside of us that didn't get met and to take risks and move out into the world and and fall and stand up again. And that part is, is up to us. And yes, spirit in all of its flavors is right there celebrating and showing up in the ways that it needs to. But the, the relationship, your relationship to yourself in my world, your relationship to yourself is the closest relationship you have to the divine. And your relationship to your emotions Beautiful. is true. the most intimate conversation you can have with the divine because that's how your own heart is trying to tell you what's happening so about true. right now.
0: So true. So what I want to ask you, so there's a lot of people listening out there that that might not understand some of the language that we're using. You know, they might not You know, because we have a shorthand, right, for the things that we do because we work with this. This is our world. So, when you're talking about that young part of us, how would you describe that to someone who possibly hasn't done any therapy or hasn't read maybe a pop psychology book or hasn't explored that in themselves? Like, how would you explain the process of? If somebody's listening and kind of hearing this and kind of getting it, but they're like, "What does that exactly mean?" And like, "What do I do about that?" Like, well, "Do you have a way that you could put that into a terminology for those people?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a big
1: topic. Again, <laughs> well, let's go back to what you said earlier because I thought it was a good example. A way that people might understand that topic is what happens when we are the ones getting in the way of our own progress? What's happening when when somebody's actually um, really deeply in relationship to spirit in a certain way, really trying in a certain way, kind of showing up the best they can, and yet something is getting in the way of them having a closer relationship to themselves and a closer relationship to their children and a closer relationship in their marriage, or to their boss, or to, you know, friends, something is not available. Let's say a part of themselves is not available. And it can either um, get in the way or just simply not be available, right? So what is that? Mm -hmm. What is that? We can say it's what's unconscious. That's a common word. That's not so much pop psychology. It's like something that we're conscious of, we do the best we can with what we're conscious of. But what about what we're unconscious of? And I would say that's where those aspects of us that are unknown to us need to be known. That's where those aspects of us need to be known. So, for example, maybe your mother, your father, your friends notice that you do something that gets in the way of you being the biggest version of yourself that you could be. And I bet they could point out a behavior. And I bet you would be able to say, yeah, I know I do that behavior, but I don't know what to do with that behavior. And there might even be an attitude and there might even be an energy about it where you're able to kind of name, I do this thing. But that thing that's kind of getting in the way of you being the biggest version of yourself and you having the best connection to your heart that you can is often a part of you that got lost in your childhood. And and what I mean by that is we have aspects of us that just didn't get felt, didn't get seen, didn't get acknowledged in our childhood that stay there until you go back and look for them.
0: Yeah, it's making me actually think of a client I worked with a long time ago. She just didn't believe in herself. And she was smart. She was really funny. People liked her. She was close with her family. She was young. She was probably in her late twenties at the time. She often got in her own way. She didn't. She didn't go. The, the reason that she wouldn't go after the things that she wanted was because she had a lot of ideas about why she couldn't go after what she wanted. Like um, I'm too overweight to do that, or nobody will like me if I do that, or and these are all you know belief systems, not coping things, but. At a certain point, belief systems become a coping mechanism because it stops you from going after what you want. Um, If you have enough of them, they become powerful enough to stop you. The other thing with her was that she always gave up right when she was really close to getting what she wanted. It was like, you know, when you're going after what you want and you're manifesting something that you've been intending or working toward getting, oftentimes the closer that you get, the harder that it gets. And sometimes it gets harder because, the, because of the whatever's involved in it, but a lot of times it gets harder because of what you're facing in yourself. Like kind of like the, between the things that Misha and I are talking about, you you get faced with yourself when you're going to rise above, and you're going to basically overcome a way of believing about yourself and the world and you work through that obstacle, it's not easy. And all of the gifts are on the, you know, the, well, the gifts are in the process. Someone like, we would say something like, the gifts are in the process. You know, but, you know, the gifts that you want, you're not looking for those gifts. You're looking, I know everybody wants the gifts on the other side, and that's what comes on the other side of it. But oftentimes, right before you're about to get what you really want, it's like someone places the biggest boulder in front of you, whether it's you know, spiritually, physically, whatever, all this stuff could happen in your life. And it's almost like the universe going, you really want it? You you know, it's like your final test. It's your final trial. And that's often the place where people stop, and they turn back around. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was doing something, um, I was leading people on something I call the hike of intention. And it was about focusing on what your intention is, and what your goal, what you're wanting. And um it's like a spiritual journey that I would take people on. What would happen is that it would be a silent hike and you couldn't, you weren't, we, there'd be no link. We wouldn't be able to talk. I do a ceremony before. We wouldn't be able to, there'd be no talking during the entire hike. And the hike could take, if you're an athlete, it would take, you know, an hour. If you're not an athlete, it could take two hours. And most of the people I would take are not athletes. So I thought this would be really good for this client because there was so much, stuff that was stopping her that wasn't even verbal it was actually like a lot of stuff coming up from pre-verbal days it was really um, something that she wasn't even able to access which is also something I think in the trans personal psychology world that's really really good because the way that you guys could you know that you have a way to get to that stuff a lot of people can't but this was like nonverbal and so I told you a little bit about her but you know, we're going up and, you know, she kept stopping every, you know, I don't know, every 10 minutes or something. And it's a steep climb, but it's that way because in life, getting what you want is a steep climb. So the basically, I picked the hike to replicate kind of the process of life. And, you know, that it's a steep, steep, steep climb, and then you finally mm-hmm. get to this steeper place, and then it's beautiful, and then there's this amazing view, and then the reward is like, you know, you get, the rest of it's downhill. It's downhill from there. And you get to think about, you know, your journey. And you get to think about that you made it and blah all that stuff. You know, she'd sit down and she'd say, I can't do this. I can't do this story. I can't. I don't want to do this. I don't even know why you took me out. Why am I even here? And the rule was no talking. So I didn't, I wouldn't say a word. And then she'd get even madder at me. And I would just wait. Because the truth is, if she really wanted to go down the hill and that was her process to turn around and she turned around, I would just follow her down the hill. That would be fine. That would be her process. That's the way it goes. Nobody ever did that. However, so she would just, so she did that. And then she went another 10 minutes or something. And she's like, ah, huffing and puffing. And like, this is the worst thing. I can't believe this. You know, I don't even think I'm learning anything. Nothing's happening. And this is, why am I, and she just, again, got more and more upset with me. I waited and I waited, and then the last time she did it, she sat down on this rock, and now I know this hike like the back of my hand, and she sat down, and she's like, I've had it. I don't even care. She pulls her backpack out. She grabs her water, and the rule was if you had something you wanted to say or write or process, you, know, you could pull your journal out. You know, you could, so it's a very personal process, so you could do that, and She's like, I'm just taking a break because I'm tired and I don't like this. And then we're going back down. And I just waited. I waited. And she's like, you're not going to talk to me. You're not even going to talk to me. I told you I want to stop. You know, I want to go down the hill and I want to do this. And it was like basically having a tantrum. And I just waited. And then finally she gets up. She says, fine, we'll finish the thing. I'm never doing this with you again. I can't believe you did this. I really want to stop and I just ugh, and you're not even talking to me. And then she puts on her backpack, you know, gets ties her shoes reluctantly, starts walking. And basically right around that boulder where we were sitting, right around it. I'm talking about 25 steps, but you can't see it because of this giant boulder right around the corner was the destination that we were getting to which was a waterfall and she took those steps and i and i'm i follow i don't walk ahead so i follow the person and she walked i see her 20 you know she walks those steps comes around the corner sees the waterfall and she says oh my god i i can't believe it i almost stopped I almost stopped. Mm -hmm. I was right there and I almost stopped and it was right around the corner. And then she Mm -hmm. started crying because that was the process of her life. That was the process of what she did. And that was Mm -hmm. one of her coping mechanisms was to basically claim in life, you know, she couldn't do it. She couldn't go all the way.
1: It's amazing. It's funny because, you know, she, like you said, sometimes giving up is a way for somebody to um feel safe right even though it, it it at some point in their life it does the opposite because it's it just kept getting in the way of her really getting um to experience herself in the way she really wanted to so that's that's a really pretty story i, I like yeah. that she um that she got to um that she she got to go through that, and she got to have somebody with her because it wouldn't have been the same unless she was witnessed by you, and and held by you.
0: And I was kind of trying to give an example of what those inner coping mechanisms, like what the you know the beginnings might be, what we were talking about, of what it might look like in a person, mm-hmm. right? right? As an example, and on the spiritual side, I was holding the space of the spirituality and knowing that everything would work out and everything would be okay. And that whatever needed to happen would happen. And that the divine was there and working with us and was going to help her in whatever she needed. But Mm -hmm. that wasn't, but she still had to take the action. She had to do it.
1: Exactly. And I think that's the That's why it's actually true that you can trust your experience and trust the journey and trust how the outcome is going to be on on both the emotional level, on the spiritual level, definitely.
0: If someone's listening right now, how would somebody know that they're in a spiritual bypass? I mean, Mm -hmm. how would they even know to seek out, to say like, oh, wow, I think that might be happening to me right now. I wonder if I should look into this or I wonder
1: it's It's a good question because I think often what people are doing in their in their spiritual life, whatever that means for them, is not the the thing to question. the The thing to question is their relationship to it, meaning that the thing itself can be honored. and actually you you never need to stop doing that. What you kind of, Choose to do, let's call it an inquiry, where you would kind of choose to do an inquiry would be, What is my relationship to this aspect of my life? And that inquiry would be probably part of the journey. And some of the questions might be, Am I avoiding something in my life by being in relationship to this practice or this experience? Am I avoiding something in my life by doing it this much, right? Because it's not that they do it it's how much they do it and why they do it and when they do it so that would be the they'd have to ask that question themselves because it's a readiness it's a readiness to go on that hike it's a readiness to say yes to that it's it's somebody looking at their experience and saying wow you know i feel really connected to god for example but i don't ever feel very connected to my husband <laughs> or I feel, <laughs> or <laughs> I feel very connected I'm sorry, to God.
0: Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, listeners. I was not um, as I, I was deeply listening, and I was that was the last thing I was expecting, but it's totally true. So right. keep going. Right. So I have this
1: really close relationship to spirit and prayer and the divine, but I have no friends.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or um, I feel so. I feel so much stillness inside and so much space, but I don't know how to stop getting fired from a job, right? Then you're, you're right. not really looking at the thing itself. You're looking right. at what your life is telling you. That's why it's not that sophisticated. It's like when you look at your life, it is going to give you all the information you need. Mm -hmm. If you are in the now and you are present to your own experience emotionally and visually and, you know, auditorily and sensually, you're going to look around using your senses and your intuition and you're going to see the places that are missing you and That's when you realize that, one, something in yourself needs attention. And two, if God is in everything, God is also in the place where you don't think it is, like in your husband and your job and your friends or lack of friends, right? That you're, you're not kind of choosing where it exists. You're noticing where it doesn't and making that important to your heart. Right and you're so also I think
0: so for you know so people understand is like if you have a relationship with spirit or God, a very deep connection, which is a good which is a very valuable and good connection, but you're not having a connection to your husband or your wife or your friends or um you can't keep a job, then it's saying that I mean there's an imbalance there. And that there's like a way that energy is being diverted into the spirituality instead of the energy being put into that marriage, that or that doesn't have to be a marriage. The the husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, job. If
1: if it feels like a, a problem, I'm saying, because if you don't have those things and that feels okay to you, if you don't have those things and that feels like your path. If you don't have friends, or you don't have a connection to your husband or wife, or if you don't have a job, and in yourself, you really think that that's your path, you can ask yourself the question, but I think there it, it needs to feel true to you. Nobody on the outside's going to tell you that there's a problem with the way you're living your life right. in a way that it's going to matter unless you yourself look at that and say, you know that's not actually what I want for my life. And then you can begin the inquiry because inside yourself, you hear something you hear. a, Sometimes it's a loud voice and sometimes it's a small, still voice, but you will hear something that lets you know that that area of your life is asking for more of your presence and attention.
0: Right. I guess that brings it full circle and and ask that question. Are you using spirituality to escape, you know, the emotional place inside yourself? And that's, that's the question. If you're using it to escape some reality in your life, like your relationship with your husband or your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your friends or your jobs or, you know, or any, your children or your children, yeah, exactly your children or, and really, mostly yourself. You know, it's like what you're what you were saying is like it's your relationship to yourself first. So if you're using spirituality to escape your core relationship with yourself, and then all the relationships around you, then spirituality at that point goes from being a good, a positive, not a good, food, but from going from being a positive coping mechanism to one that has to be explored. And evaluated, and possibly dissected into uh, what is it that you're needing to look at in yourself, so you can have the things that you want, so you don't have to escape into something else. And you know, we're talking about spirituality today, so if you th- you don't have to escape into something, but then you could actually use all that positive spirituality and enhance and elevate your life because you're putting your energy into yourself and into those relationships and then you have this as like a support, you know, and you co-create your mm-hmm. life. It works as a co-creation.
1: Right, that's why you you don't necessarily have to challenge whether the thing itself is bad. Right. The thing you're asking the question the the, the place you're asking the question from is what is my relationship to it? Right. And then you want to get into right relationship with everything that you have. And it it also is what you were talking about is there's a participation in everything that is given to us in life. The very difficult things that are given to us and the very beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And since people tend to look at beautiful things as being more aligned with spirit and difficult things being less aligned, not everybody, but often people do this becomes a, a diff, a more difficult process, right? Cause you have to be open to that. Everything in your life is here for you to learn about yourself right. to some degree. And um, so it's, it's more of a, a willingness to um, inquire about your relationship to To anything but if we're right now we're talking about spirituality to to inquire about your relationship to it so that you get more of yourself right in those answers
0: well thank you so much misha i've enjoyed having you today and speaking with you and i think there's so many more things that we could talk about and i mean off of this topic and many other topics so i'd love to have you again
1: well, thank you so much. It was really fun and interesting. All the all the different turns that it took. I I really enjoyed talking to you. Also, and anytime you'd like to talk to me again, I'd be happy to. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. So, thank you so much for coming today. And mm-hmm. if you, I hope you everybody enjoyed this episode today with Misha, Joy McAmir. If you want more information about Misha and what she does and how to reach her, all of that will be listed on our website. You'll be able to access her that way. Stay tuned for afterthoughts or for now. Ciao. Wow. I love that I never know where these conversations are going to go. It's probably one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast is the turns that it takes and how how the conversation develops and where it goes and what we end up talking about, even if we start with the topic and where that topic goes. Because most of the topics I'm talking about, you know. You could teach in a school course or in a training course for two years or more on the one topic and cover so many aspects of it. And this is one of those. So I really appreciate Misha talking with us because she is a skilled clinician and spiritual teacher um, in this world especially when it comes to transpersonal therapy and these different modalities and she was able to discuss it with me when I come I come from a spiritual place but I you know I come from a different modality and I use different terminology and at the same time we were able to find this middle ground where we both understood what we were talking about and we were talking about something very similar from different but from different standpoints. And and the terminology in transpersonal therapy is spiritual bypass, which makes total sense. Something really stands out for me is that God exists in all situations, in good and bad, where spirituality exists in all situations, and that is. Very important to grasp onto. It's true what Misha is saying that so many people will associate good things happening with God, with spirit, with intention, you know, with something that you've manifested, something that you want. Something good has happened to me. Thank you, God. Thank you, spirit you know, thank you Allah, whoever your, whoever your go-to is spiritually. And we often forget how God or spirit are in the other moments, in our challenging moments, that those challenging moments are our teaching moments. And From a spiritual standpoint, they're the moments that we are having an opportunity to grow. We're having an opportunity to see something different. And we don't always feel that way about it. We often feel like, what the fuck is this? Why is this happening to me? Why do I deserve this? What did I do to deserve this? I don't deserve this. This isn't fair. Why is something bad happening to me? Why me? I mean, that's a good question, right? And I've been there myself. However, from a spiritual standpoint, that is where the gifts lie. The gifts lie oftentimes in the challenges that we face. And oftentimes those challenges or struggles, you know, come harder and faster, depending on how much we need to learn them at that time, or how timely it is to to change some way of thinking or being in the world, like a wake-up call, like a wake-up call, and yes, I am somebody who believes that everything happens for a reason, we don't always find out what the reason is, but often we do, eventually we do. I believe, anyway. When we look at this idea of spiritual bypass, something that is so beautiful and so widely respected, so widely accepted, any kind of spirituality, that, and to say, hey, guess what? That's not helping you that's actually making you avoid the very essence of what it is that you need to change. Like that right there is not great, okay? That is denying you authenticity. That is denying you a true presence. That is denying you happiness. Because anything, anything, even spirituality is what we're talking about, anything that takes you away From yourself denies you your authenticity. And when you deny yourself your authenticity, then you no longer are existing in the world as you. You're no longer you. You become you with a facade, a story, a guard, you know, a a costume. You know, whether it's spirituality or just acting a certain way or creating a persona, whatever that is, but it's not you. I like what Misha said that she doesn't separate spirituality and emotion. And I've never heard that before. Um, so I don't know if that's a transpersonal psychology thing or her thing. I really like that because it's true and that really does complement the idea of authenticity and the idea of we are all spiritual beings having a spiritual human experience. When we have emotion or feeling or ideas inside ourself, that is us. That's who we are. That is the essence of you. And you know what I'm talking about because you know who you are inside yourself. And as you're listening, you might start thinking about, I hope, I would, I would wish that you start thinking about all the ways that you try to hide who you are, all the costumes you put on, all the facades you put on, all the stories you tell yourself to be the way you're living right now, to be the self that you're being that may just not be yourself, but it's the self you've chosen to live for whatever reasons you've chosen that. As a final afterthought, I'm going to just quote or paraphrase what Misha said. And she said, you know, if God is in everything, it's also where you don't want it to be, or you don't expect it to be. And I would begin to notice the value of all experiences that you're experiencing in your life. Good and bad, favorable, not favorable. And what is there to learn in there? What is the lesson? And if you find yourself using spirituality as a way to numb something in yourself, then just ask yourself what that might be about. You know, why would you be doing that? And how does it serve you? And what's your relationship to it? Because what you choose to do is on you. And how you choose to live your life is on you. But once you have the awareness of the option, what do you do with it? And do you choose living authentically or not? And if you do find yourself in a place of a spiritual bypass or a spiritual addiction, as I would say, or Misha would say, spiritual bypass, if you find yourself in that place and you hear something that we're saying about hiding from something, does it make you explore it a little bit more? or does it make you dive in deeper? Does it make you cope? Does it make you want to explore how you're coping possibly with spirituality, or does it make you want to reinforce the spirituality and make that force even stronger as a way of denial And it makes me think of something I've heard so many times I've never quoted in my entire life. However, it's coming to me right now for this moment is, you know, those who know don't preach and those who preach don't know. So if you find yourself diving in harder into your belief system versus an exploration, I'd invite you to explore that. I'd invite you to look into that and ask yourself if there's something possibly in your life that you're avoiding or not looking at, because those who are in denial will often start to preach. And that's okay, because the words that are being preached are often really good. Like I said in the beginning, they're, they're good. They're, you know, they're good examples. They're good words. They're oftentimes, you know, very valuable. However, if it becomes a form of distraction of yourself, then you don't get to live authentically. And you don't get to be the you that you came here to be. And there's only one you. That's it. There's only going to be one of you ever ever in the history of the universe, as my dad would say. (laughs) There'll only be one you. So you get to decide who that one you is going to be in this lifetime. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode of Slice. Ciao for now.